If you're a guest, we have been on a journeying uh, series called Why Church Still Matters. And kind of the, the heart of what we've been looking at is taking time to recognize, taking time to look and recognize the growing trend uh, in our culture today, even among Christians, to walk away from the organized church, to be disconnected. More times than not, I'll hear conversations of individuals talking about how they no longer go to a church. And they'll tell me, they say, well, you don't have to go to a church to be a Christian. And I tell them, you're, you're exactly right. But then what I'll add to that is I'll tell them, I said, and a fish does not, have to, does not cease to be a fish when it's outside of water. It just has a much higher survival rate. And so as a follower of Jesus, God has a design. He has intent for this, for what we do. Not just as a building, but for as a, as a community, as a, as a gathering of believers. And I would encourage you to listen online on the podcast. I was recently, many times early in the morning, I'll get up, spend some time uh, reading and praying, and then I'll go down in our basement and I'll do a workout. And usually I'll put on uh, a playlist of just worship music or worship, different worship services. Uh, many times I'll just stream it from YouTube and I have a prayer list and, and people I pray for, verses I pray through and things like that. But, but I was watching, I had one of the, the, prayer, the worship services come on and if you've ever done uh, YouTube, you'll see if you just put on a worship service that sometimes they've started throwing in these commercials and a commercial popped up this week. Two guys were there and kind of the background was almost a church type setting. And they had a, a very, it was a very serious commercial, uh, like serious in intent, but it was done more lighthearted and, and comical. And, and, but they both were, were talking about, you don't really have to be connected to a church anymore. In fact, you can become a member of our church just by clicking on the subscribe, and then you can watch from the comfort of your own home, enjoy the worship you like. And, and I was just, I'm, I was, first I thought it was a joke, and then I realized it was serious. But it's this whole idea of, of walking away from the local congregation, locking, walking away from being connected. And so we've taken time to look at a number of, of different things. Today I'd like to talk with you about the value of together, the value of being together, the value of serving together. Uh, in a couple of weeks we're going to look at the value of pain together when we go through pain and hardship together and the gift that God can, can give us by having other believers with us. But Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about them a little bit more. Paul says this. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. From the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Now, one of our core values here, you'll see them in the lobby, you'll see them in the halls. One of our core values here is relationship matters. Not relationships matter, but relationship matters. See, we, we live in a culture that really pushes for relationships. Become friends on Facebook. Um, the, all, get, how many followers do you have on Twitter? Or just passing by, hi, how are you? I'm fine, thank you, how are you? Friends, relationships. But we talk about relationship matters, the quality of the relationship. That it's a, it's a core value of, of who we are. It's a core value of what we do. It's part of how God designed us. This passage that we've just read out of Philippians, if you've been with us for some time as state part of the State College Assembly family, last year, right around this time, last year at Easter, we began a series called Joy Story. It's online. Um, this podcast, listen to it. But we, so I'm not going to cover all the details, but we took time to go through the book of Philippians and, and just looked verse by verse through it. This was one passage that we looked at. But one of the things that we talked about when it comes to the letter to the, to the believers in Philippi, this gathering of believers, there, you can find the origin, the birthing of their church in Acts chapter 16. You can find you know, all the details that happened there. 
But one of the things that we talked about was the importance, the priority that Paul placed on relationship. That these followers of Jesus were ones that Paul was committed to. In fact, Philippians, the letter of Philippians is the most personal letter of Paul, written to believers, written to a community of believers. And we see that, and we really, we see that relationship is all through it. One of the things that, that we see and we have to remind ourselves of is when Paul wrote this, that he is a prisoner sitting in a Roman dungeon, waiting, waiting to stand before, before Rome. So he's a prisoner, but he, yet he recognizes when you read this, you don't get a sense of that at all. Rather, you see how he's believing the gospel is advancing, is going forward, God's working through them. And it's in large part because of the relationships that he's keeping. He realizes that they're in it together. He realizes the value of relationship together. When, when you think of the, that whole idea of relationship, we have, a, we have a tendency from an American mindset to read the verses, to read a passage, and we look for it in there as to what's in this for me. What's in this for me? How does this bless me? How does this benefit me? But read, I want to read through those verses that I just read again, verses 3 through 6. I want to read through the, them again, and I don't want you to be thinking about you. I want you to think about it in the context of relationship, in the context of others, and look at how different this passage sounds. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It's, it's just full of relationship, full of partnership. In fact, one word that we could focus in on that I think summarizes all of this is found in verse 5. He says, because of your partnership in the gospel. Because of your partnership, the, the word that he uses to talk about partnership here speaks of, of co-ownership, it speaks of joint ownership, and most commonly it would have been used to, to someone if two individuals shared ownership of a piece of land, and they worked it together, they farmed it together, they harvested it together, they were in partnership, they were co-owners of the work together. There was no point and no benefit in those two being competitive with each other because all they did was, was, was they hurt their bottom line. There was a partnership in it. And that's what Paul's talking about. He says there's this, this partnership in our relationship in advancing the gospel, in lifting up Jesus to those around us and lifting up Jesus to our community. And so it's with that in mind, I'd love to share with you, um, I'm sure there's many more, but just four things to consider when it comes to your life, your investment, you're being a part of this church family. You're being a part of a local church family, a congregation connected to it. Um, a few things to consider. So the first one is this, is that everyone has something to offer. Everyone has something to offer. Now, hopefully by now, you might, you might be sitting there and you hear me say that everyone has something to offer. And you might be thinking, haven't, haven't you said that before? And the truth is I have. Because it's one of our core values. It's hanging on the wall. Hopefully, it's something you've heard, you've consistently heard. It's something that, that you think about when you go to serve. It's something you think about when you walk through the halls, when you walk through the doors. It's this whole idea that everyone has something to offer. Every single person here brings value to what is happening here. Everyone has something to offer. In, in Philippians chapter 1, verse 1, he writes this. And man, you don't, the team upstairs, you don't have this verse in your slides. But in verse 1, he says, to all of God's holy people. He says to all of the believers in Philippi. And if you remember when we talked about the book of Philipp, the letter of Philippians, all of the believers in Philippi, some of them were, came out of a pretty messy background. Um, one, of the, one of them alone, she was demon-possessed. She was, would tell the future. Uh, she was a mess. 
Another person who was a part of the, the community of believers in Philippi was the jailer who had beaten, who had whipped Paul, someone who had inflicted pain upon him. But yet Paul is writing and he says to every single, he doesn't say every single believer except for this one. He says all of them. He's speaking to all of them and he's speaking to all of them, talking about their partnership in the gospel. They're working with him together. And the point that he's making, the point that I think we can take is realize is that as, as a follower of Jesus, specifically when it comes to the believers in Philipp, Philippians, but as well as here, there may be small parts, but there are no significant parts in the partnership together. Paul can look at these believers in Philippi and he says, there's, there's no small part. There's small parts, perhaps, unseen parts, but there are no insignificant parts. Look with me to help understand this. I want you to go with me to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verses, uh, we'll go verses 4 through 8. Paul is trying to give this picture, this idea of partnership, of, of working together, of our being committed together, and that every single person has a part, has value in what God is doing. He has value uh, in what he's doing in your life, and he, you have value in what he's doing here. Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 8. For just as each one of us has a body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, <clears throat> so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. It is a, if it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is, encourage, is, if it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is leading, then do it diligently. If it is showing mercy, then do it cheerfully. Paul uses the analogy, he uses the picture of the human body. And he says that the, the human body is fit together with all sorts of different pieces and parts, and each one has a unique function. Each one has a unique fit. With, with what he's talking about here, the specific point, and this is the, this is the first of two different times where Paul uses the human body to highlight the, the value that everybody brings as we gather together, that everybody has something to offer. Every part, every, every individual has something to offer to what God wants to do through, through the community of believers. Here, when we see what Paul is talking about, we see what he's highlighting. The first point he's making, the primary focus in this passage is giftings. That he has placed giftings, he has invested talents, he has invested resources into your life that are meant to be a part of the bigger picture. They're meant to function in the congregation, they're meant to function among other believers. So the primary focus is gifting. Now I want you to keep this in mind and I want you to look with me at the second passage where Paul talks about the human body as, as way of example. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to look at 12 through 18. It says, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free, we were all given to one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an, ear, were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them 
to be. So in, in Romans chapter 12, the first spot we looked at, when he talked about the body as the example of, of everyone having a part and a contributing part, he's talking about gifting. Here, when we look in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, his primary focus is on diversity and unity, recognizing that every individual has a part. And so when I look at that and I take what he says in Romans chapter 12, using the human body as an example for how the congregation, how the body of Christ is to function, he says everyone has a gifting, everyone has an investment, everyone has something to offer. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, again, talking about the human body, the focus is on diversity and unity. We can take both of all of these two passages and everything that's been given to us, and you're re reminding ourselves that your value is how God has created you to be right now. And how he has made you is, the, is valuable in his eyes. That means the color of your skin. That means your nationality. That means your, your giftings. That means your abilities. That means your talents that God saw fit to make you, you for purpose. And he saw fit to make you, you for purpose. And for purpose because you're in this congregation and you're a part of this church family. He made you, you to be a part of this church family. In Acts chapter 17, it says that Paul is talking, and he's talking about how God's functioning. And in Acts chapter, through history, and in Acts chapter 17, he says, God appointed times and seasons for men and women to live. And talking about King David earlier, he says, David served, served his generation for an appointed time. Both of those help us to see and understand that God doesn't just look at the, the human population through all of history. And I think I've said this before. God doesn't look at the human population through all of history and say, well, I've got X amount of billion of people to, to, to spread out over human history, and I've only got one planet to fill, and so I'm going to have to throw some here and throw some here and throw some here, and then we're going to pause, and then we'll throw some here and throw some here and throw some here over the centuries and the decades and the years and the years and the years. No, it says that God went through all of appointed time. He went through all of appointed humanity, every single person who was, who was set to live, and he said, I need someone who's like Esther in the season of Esther. I need someone like Deborah when, when the nation of Israel is going to need someone to stand up with a backbone and be courageous. I'm going to need a woman like Deborah to stand up, so I'm going to put Deborah right there. He says, I'm going to need a man who's going to be like me and who's going to have my spirit in him. And so I'm going to put Samuel. I'm going to identify a young man who can be sitting in the temple in all the clutter, all the noise of religious activity, and he can hear my voice out of everything else and will respond and move with obedience. I need that man, and I need him in this season in the na my nation of Israel. And then he went on through history again and again and again, picking individuals, placing them in seasons and appointing them to times. And then he arrived to 2019 State College Community, State College Assembly of God, uh, March 31st, right now. And he says, I need this person right here, right now in this season. That means every single one of you is filling an appointed slot, an appointed time in history and in the destiny that God has for you. He has designed you by who you are, how you are, how you think, how you function for the giftings that he sees and puts in you. Every single one of, every individual sitting in this room, every single individual listening to the podcast, God has entrusted something to you and he's wanting you to invest it and to be a part of the community of believers as he has designed it. I really believe for you and for me when it comes to our lives and it comes to your life, I believe that most of our, our greatest limits are limits that are self-imposed. Your greatest limits in life are limits that are self-imposed. They're limits that you've put on yourself. So many people go through life saying, I, I, don't, I don't really have anything to offer. 
I don't really, I mean, I can see other people who can do it better. We have, there's other people who do children's ministry better. There's other people who do worship better. There's other people who do this better. And we go through our life looking at all what everyone else is doing, never taking time to look at what's actually been entrusted into our hands. So many of our limits are self-imposed. I believe most people can go through life, most followers of Jesus can go through life telling themselves that they have nothing to offer, and by the end of their life, they'll prove prove themselves right. Not because they don't have something to offer, but because they never step forward and offer it. God has invested your life with talent, time, ability, gifting. Let him use it as as he desires. That every individual here has something to offer. Secondly, the second thing I would encourage you to consider is that everyone is expected to offer something. Everyone has something to offer. Secondly, everyone is expected to offer something. Look with me in uh, 1 Peter chapter 4. I know I'm going to have you jump around to a couple of verses, but just to highlight this, 1 Peter uh, chapter 4, verse 10. It says, Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. It says that we have, received, we have a gift to serve others as a faithful steward or as a responsible servant or responsible slave, depending how you want to, to read the word, but steward of God's grace in its various forms. And the point of what, he, what, Paul, what Peter is saying here, he says that each one is a steward, a responsible servant to the master. And if you're familiar with, with some of the parables that Jesus has told over time, and we see again and again in the Gospels, there's... It's, it's repeated twice, sometimes a few different details, but the point is the same. And the parable is, is called the parable of the talents, or the parable of the servants, and, Je- and Jesus tells a story of a master, of an owner, uh, of, of a ruler of an area, and he calls his servants, he calls his, his slaves in, and, and he uses the term that they're responsible slaves, they're really recognized as leaders over other servants, other slaves, and he calls them in and he entrusts them with, with finances, he entrusts them with time, he entrusts them with their life because they belong to him, so their time, their talent, Everything they are belongs to him. And he entrusts it to them and gives them time to invest. And then it says there comes a time where he calls them in and he calls them to give an account. And they come and they stand one at a time and each one gives an account on the return of their finances, of their time, of their lives, of their wisdom. Everything they are, they have to give an account to the master. Most of them each give a fair account, but one of them comes back and is negligent, and he just, he says, well, I was afraid of who you are. I know that you, you look for a great return, so instead of, of trying, going and trying anything, I just kind of tucked it away and, and hopefully just wanted to give you back what you gave me and just say, hey, thanks, but no thanks. Um, it's kind of just that approach. And, and in the end, you can read the whole story and see it, but the point is, is that the master called each one and expected a return on his investment. And according to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, each of you, each of us, should use whatever gift, whatever investment, whatever talent, whatever God has entrusted into your hands that you've received, not for yourself, but to serve others as a faithful steward of God's grace in its various forms, that he expects a return. He expects a return on your life. If you look earlier with what Peter is talking about in verse 7, he says to take your life to take the gift things God has placed in you, to take, to take where you're living, and he says to view it through an eternal lens, to put an eternal lens over your life. So often we live just within a 24-hour period and only think about that 24-hour period. We never stop to think about our lives in light of eternity. 
Yes, we do that in faith in Jesus Christ, but then to stop and think about the investment of your time, the investment of your life, the investment of your talents, how God desires in the end that you give an account to that, to view your life through the lens of eternity. See, I think most often when it, when it comes to a follower of Jesus Christ, I think so often where we most miss what God wants to do through us and the investments that, that he's placed in our lives, I think so most often we miss it with one word, and that word is calling. We miss what God wants to do with us because of our misunderstanding of a word calling. Here's many individuals over the years of ministry will just talk about, well, I don't, we need asking someone to serve here, asking someone to do this. Well, I don't really feel called to that. I don't really feel called. Let me, let me see if I'm being called to do this. Let me see if I'm being called to go do that. And I just, I hear that a lot, and we put, we put a lot of, of weight. We kind of over-mystify the word calling in, the fo- in following Jesus. So if you'd like to know how to best understand calling, I can give it to you in kind of maybe one word or one phrase. So if you're ready, you can write it down. It'll help clarify calling from this point forward. Your calling is you said yes to following Jesus. That's your calling. And that means that everywhere you go, everything you do, everywhere you're moving is is are full of options that God wants to use you for. We can easily live our whole lives from the position of no, that God is gonna be no until you tell me yes. Now, God, I need you to show me that it's a yes if I'm supposed to step out and take this big step of faith. I need you to show me if, if you're wanting me to witness to this person. I need you to show me if you're, if you're wanting me to walk across the street and to pray for my neighbor who's sick with cancer. I need you to show me. So we, we move from, a, we live from a position of no. But when you take that model and you match it against what the New Testament believers, the early church lived with in Acts, they didn't live from a position of no. They lived from a position of yes. They said, God, I'm going to go do this. You're just going to have to show me if this is not what you're wanting. In fact, for, for Paul, there's a point in the book of Acts that he is so busy saying yes and going that God had to get him to sleep and had to give him a dream to finally give him direction where he wanted him to go because he was so committed to go. It's so committed to, to just moving forward. So as we say yes and we recognize God's desire is that he uses our life and he desires that we're continually saying yes and, and following him. And I just challenge you, and I don't, I don't mean to say this with any type of, of, of harshness or uh, if um, you're offended by it, you can email Pastor Dave later. Um, <laughs> but if you're not doing anything with your faith, beyond believing and attending church, then at the very minimum, you're being negligent, and at the very most, you're being outright disobedient. God has a calling and a purpose upon your life. He has a talent that he has invested in you. He has giftings that he has placed in you, and he is expecting a return on that. He is expecting a return on your life. So what, what is the eternal return right now that you can currently look at? What lives can you currently point to and say, well, God, this is, this is someone who I've invested in my life with the time, the talents, the resources you've put in my life. I'm not, when I say time and talents, I'm not meaning finances. I'm meaning just making our lives available. Let it start with, within these walls with, with where we are at. Number three, God's continued work in me involves others. So everyone has something to offer. Everyone's expected to offer something. Third, God's continued work in me involves others. That it involves others. Whether or not you like it, God's continued work in your life involves those sitting around you. 
It involves those who are, whose lives are invested in yours, whose, whose, uh, you're investing your life into, that it involves others. I have been told from time to time that I'm a bit of a picky eater, and I, and I kind of know it, um, that I'll go to a restaurant, usually if I order something, I'll, there's, there's, I'll say, well, can you hold it without this? Can you take that? And, and I've had a few times, I don't do this often, but if something comes and it's not what I wanted or I have kind of an unexpected ingredient, I'll just kind of slide it off to the side and focus on what I want. When I've been in different countries, that has been, been rather challenging. I was telling um, uh, one of the men in our church, Michael Day, when he was here last week with us, I was telling him uh, when we went out traveling, I'm in other countries, there was a time that I was, uh, we were in, um, I don't remember what country we were in, but we had some others from our church with us, and I was, I was fortunate that there was three vegetarians on the trip. And a lot of the things that I'm just, I'm kind of picky over, a lot of them are vegetables, I'll just tell you, they're just vegetables. And so, we, we had three veg, vegetarians on the trip, and so we'd go, and, and there was an individual, we, we'd go to different communities, and there was someone who always wanted to host us, just excited to host a foreigner, some sort of connection with the ministry that we were there with. And so they'd sit us down in their courtyard, and they'd make this amazing meal. And so for the vegetarians, there was a lot of meat, a lot of vegetables, a lot of things that were spread out. So we kind of created a plan, and we sat, always sat close together. And when our host would slip out to the other room, I would swap what I was not fond of onto their plate. They would swap what they didn't like onto my plate, and we kind of, it made, it worked. Um, it just kind of, it worked. But many times when I talk about being a picky eater, we approach God's word with the same type of pickiness. We like to kind of approach it with what I like, what I'm looking for, and carve out all the other stuff that doesn't necessarily apply. Look with me at Philippians chapter uh, 1 verse 6. Where we, we begin. So being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. An incredibly powerful verse. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. We can read that and we can make it about us. We can put it on a post-it note on our mirror. You can put it on a postcard and carry it in your pocket. You can make it your Instagram post. You can put it on Facebook. You can put it wherever you want. And there's a lot of truth to this, that God is going to continue what he starts in you. He's going to continue his work in you. He's committed to his work. But there's a couple of things I want you to see. He says that he will, he began a good work in you, will carry it on to completion, or some translations, depending what translation you're reading, some might say, uh, carry it forward or bring it forward. The word that's used there is speaking of someone coming and really accompanying someone on a journey, assisting them and guiding them in the journey. And so it says that being confident of this, that God who began a good work in you will continue to accompany, to assist, to guide you on, and, until the day of completion and the day of Christ Jesus. But here, and all of that is completely true. But here's the one thing we miss. Verse 6 begins. You notice it's a small b. What does that mean? It's not an isolated sentence. It means it's the continuation of a sentence. In fact, if you look at the end of verse 5, it ends not with a period, but with a comma, meaning it's a continuation of thought. And in verse 5, if you remember what we talked about, verse 5 speaks of partnership, that we're in it together, that we're working at this together. And so what that reminds me when I look at this, and I look in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, and I read this, in light of what verse 5 and verse 4 are both telling me, all part of one sentence, it's reminding me that as God, as I am confident that God is at work in my life, and I am confident that he is committed to his work in my life, I have to realize that his commitment to my, his work in my life involves others. It involves allowing others to invest into my life. It involves allowing my life to invest into others. That God's continued work in my life involves 
others. There's times, and I can think of um, in ministry, when Teresa and I first went into ministry, we were, uh, I don't know, 20-something years ago, and as we went in, we just, we arrived at a, a church, we weren't, was working, had a different job, we arrived at a church, and God had done some incredible things in our lives, just, I was in the military, stationed in different places, and as we finally, we went and we figured out which church we were going to go to, we, we made an appointment with the pastor, the first opportunity we had, we went and we sat with him, and met him, introduced ourselves, and we just, and it was a larger church, and we just said, we're here to serve. You just, you tell us where you need us, and we'll serve. And that's what we did. And as we did that, and, and he kind of like, whoa, he kind of, where are you going to wait till you're called? You need to find what you're wanting to do. So just tell us where you, wanted, where you want us to serve, and we'll do it. And we jumped in, and we began to serve. We began to serve in an area that they had need. And as we began to serve, it began to open doors of, of greater ministry, greater opportunity, but more than that, we saw running parallel to the opportunities God was putting in front of us. I mean, we served, we were teaching kids in class, we were filling the nursery, we were working with youth ministry, started working with college students. Um, just wherever they needed us, we served. And um, we, as we did that, we began to see God awakening in our hearts a desire not only to continue to serve, but we began to see him awakening in our hearts a desire to share Jesus with others outside uh, of our church, to connect with others, to share Jesus in, in the lives of others, um, began to see him moving us forward and just a greater desire for what he was doing in us. We began to see him awakening things in us. And it all came down to our willingness to say, God, we're going to invest something and put it in your hands, and we're going to trust you on the return. And in that, as we continue to partner with others, he began to expand his investment in our lives and continue to show us and reveal to us what it is that he wanted to do in our lives. And that ultimately led to our ending up in full-time ministry and schooling choices and a number of things. But it all began because we went and sat with the pastor and we said, we're just here to serve. You tell us where you need us. And I look at that and I think about when it comes to, to church and it comes to church life and it comes to even where we're at today. Many times individuals will approach me and they'll They'll say, well, what is the church doing, what is the church doing with this? And, and then they'll fill in the need. And, it, and usually it's the need. It's something, it's a need that they recognize something needs to happen, whether it be in the community or the church. What's the church going to do about this? What's the church going to do about the drag queen story hour? What's the church going to do about, about such and such a need in the community? And I'll try to answer it graciously, but, I'll, but I kind of tell them, well, what are you doing? That's what the church is doing. See, the church is you and me partnering together. The church is not the organized structure, those who have, have staff positions doing certain things, and all of a sudden the church is doing that. The church is you and me involved in ministry partnered together. And as we are partnered together in ministry, not only does God continue to advance his desire, his intent, his design through his bride, through his body, the, the body of Christ, but he continues that work in us and continues to advance his work in us as we, as we follow him. Um, one of the things that I, I shared with our members probably a month ago at our annual business meeting, uh, we just, a time we meet and review God's faithfulness and reflect on how he's working through our congregation, just a, a great time to just reflect on his faithfulness. But one of the things that I challenged our members with, and I, it's not a members-only challenge, it goes to all of us, but you'll notice on our doors, the doors say, welcome home. They have that, the phrase, welcome home. That is a great phrase, but it means nothing if the culture inside these doors don't match it. And so I would encourage you as a bare minimum to what God wants to do through your life and what he, ha what he can begin to do through your life is take every time you walk in those doors and you see those words, welcome home, take them as your personal assignment to live out as you're here. And then when you walk out the doors, take them as your personal assignment to begin to help others see, see Jesus. 
and to know Jesus all in who you are and all in how you approach and letting those words come alive in your life. And then the last thing I'll give you is God's continued work in me involves others. So God's continued work in me, God's continued work in me, uh, continued work through me involves others. God conti God's continued work in me involves others. When you look in, in uh, what we looked at in first, uh, Philippians, talking about partnership, talking about working together, there is nowhere in the New Testament that gives the idea that, that it's okay to go it alone. In fact, if you were to, to, in some way, wipe out of your mind all Christian teaching, everything you've ever learned or known about Christianity, you've had no exposure to it whatsoever, no Christian music, no podcast, no anything, and someone for the first time were to put a Bible in your hands, specifically in the New Testament, and say, I want you to read. Read what God has given a design and I want you to read and tell me it. There is nowhere in there after an initial reading through the New Testament, through all of Scripture, that you can come up with the idea that Christianity is meant to be lived out in isolation. It's not meant to be done alone. It's meant to be done in complete partnership with one another, in investment and relationship with one another, and continuing um, letting God work in us and through us. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, the verse, and I'm, I'm wrapping up with this. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 through 25 this is one of the verses that we've looked at on more than one occasion in this series. It says, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. It says, let us consider how we may spur or how we can stir on one another in love and good deeds. Let us recognize that we all have a part. We all have an investment. We all have a commitment. And so the question I would ask each of you is, have you taken ownership of the assignment God has given you? That we each have a part in what God wants to do in each other's lives. We each have a part in what God wants to do through this church. And it's all a part of recognizing the value of what he sees in the church when he looks at the church and when he describes his church, the community of believers, in, uh, as he sees it. One last quote I'll give you. Worship team, they can come. Carrie Newhoff is a uh, Christian author, pastor. He'll, he'll blog. And if you listen to this, he says, the goal of the Christian faith isn't to know something, but to do something with what you know. The goal of the Christian faith isn't to know something. It's to do something with what you know. It's to do something with what you know. It's recognizing God's intent, God's design involves you, involves you now, and involves everything that he has made you to be. And so as we continue to surrender our lives to him, we continue to say yes in following him, we continue to, to really surrender and say, Jesus, I want you to use my life, and I want you to show me the things that you've placed in my life, and I'm willing to let you show me as I, as I start serving, as I start moving, as I start opening my life and letting you flow through me. Won't you stand with me this morning as we prepare to close and dismiss? Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you, and I thank you, God, for your commitment and your investment to each of us. I thank you, God, for your continued grace that is so generously given to each of us. But God, your intent and your, your desire is not that our lives would be a dead end of sorts, but rather our lives would continue to minister, to continue to flow, to be an avenue in which your spirit flows. So I pray, Father, right now as we're standing here that we would be reminded and really you'd even bring to mind what it is that you've entrusted into our lives. 
something as simple as the gift of time, the gift of presence, letting our lives be present in the lives of others, making space to, to serve, making space, space to be with others, to invest in relationship. Lord, I thank you for each one that's here, and I thank you for each one that's a part of this church family in this time, in this season, in this community. And so, Lord, we open our hearts to you right now, and we invite you to do your work in us. And friends, this morning with no one looking around, and, and I'll just miss those who need to go in just a second. But we never take for granted here at State College Assembly that just because you're here in this room, just because you're here at church, that you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ. And so if you're here this morning, and as I've talked about God's desire, God's design for our life, his intent, it all begins with one relationship, and that is the relationship with Jesus Christ. Placing your faith in Jesus Christ, coming to a place of confession, of, of repentance, turning away from our sin and turning towards Jesus. And the Bible says that as we make that choice, as we say yes to Jesus and really say no to self, we, we confess our sin and need him. He comes, and the Bible says, by his Holy Spirit in, in a way that only he can. He comes and he forgives. He comes and he changes, and he comes and he begins to develop hope within our lives. And if you're here this morning and you've yet to place your faith in Jesus Christ, but you would like to make that decision this morning, no one's looking around, eyes are closed, heads are bowed. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? Just I want to see it. I want to be able to pray with you after service. If that's you, if you're here, just raise your hand so I can see it. Well, for the rest of us this morning, just before I dismiss and let individuals slip out, as I've talked about, our lives are his investment. Our lives are meant to be used for him, by him. I'm going to invite the worship team to sing, to sing, and as they sing and lead, for those who'd love to come, find a place to pray. Just respond. Say, God, I open my heart to you. I open my life to you. Um, I, would you show me ways that you can use my life? Or perhaps just a fresh presenting, a fresh opening of, of your life to him and, and giving it back to him of saying, God, my life is yours. Use it, use it as you will. Father, we, we present our lives to you. We present our time to you. We present all that we are to you. And our prayer, God, is not just on a Sunday morning, but really throughout the week, that you would take our lives and you would investment, invest them and you would spend them as you desire in ways that advance your kingdom, in ways that let Jesus be seen. God, I pray that in all of our lives that we would recognize the little promptings, the little ways that you'll lead, the ways that you'll guide, the ways that you desire to use us and, and to allow your investment in us to be used to let people see you. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We focus upon you. In Jesus' name, amen. For those around the altars, you please feel free to linger, continue to pray. Um, for those who do need to slip out, I just want to pray a prayer of blessing over you as you go this morning. This is found in Numbers chapter 7. It says, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and gives you peace. Your friends, we love you. We are praying for you. Uh, we just really believe that God has great things in store for your life this week as you continue in following him and letting his spirit lead. We pray blessing on you as you go. We'll look forward to seeing you on Wednesday night during our time of worship.